Blog Talk Radio.
here podcasting restoring our republic late night tonight give you some uh, information here that you probably probably uh, don't hear anyplace else let me see here let me see if I can get this up for everybody here give me about five minutes here we'll play something else real quick uh, just until we get the uh, what I wanted to get up here so um let me see here. Oh, let's do this here. Um, yeah, it says we're in the music thing. We might as well let's see if we can get some more music, I guess. What the hell? Uh, what the heck can I play here? Uh, well, let's play this one here.
top of the towers For he was the beast As he hatched his new plans to gain power And the snow fell Covering the dreams and ideals And the snow fell Freezing the blood and the wheels And the snow fell They had to keep warm for survival And the Napoleon had taken before They fought us the forces of light Against the darkness in a holy war One day they were looking around At the sun shining on the cold flowers The next day they were freezing to death In the snow and the ice cold showers And the snow
Hello, I am Dr. Sandy Marecki, and our country is in a very difficult time. It's in November of 2022, and we just saw another election stolen from we the people. You may feel a little bit down, but I'm here to tell you that there is actually a solution, and I'm going to give you a talk about how to save America. So that is my email address. You can write it down now or you can uh, write it down later. I will have it at the end of the talk. We have a big problem in America. Patriots across the nation are trying to figure out how to remove the current corrupt government lawfully and peacefully, if at all possible. Patriots are running for political offices in the hopes of replacing the corrupt officials with honest officials. But the corrupt government has control of the political parties, the voting machines, and the voting systems. So we will never have fair elections. Lawsuits won't work because the entire judicial system is also corrupt. How did things get so bad? Well, unfortunately, we the people were asleep, and I was definitely one of them. So what if I told you that the corruption stems from the fact that the United States is not the Constitutional Republic anymore. That's what our founding fathers gave us in the Constitution, Bill of Rights, every, all of our founding documents. Well, what's happened is our country is a corporation owned by foreign powers, called, in all caps, the Government of the United States, or sometimes United States Incorporated. I'm going to prove to you that this is true. It's also known by a variety of other names throughout time but always in capital letters, indicating a corporation. Wait, what? You're probably saying to yourself, for those who have not heard this before. So let me show you the corporate registry on a website called Dun & Bradstreet, which is where all corporations are registered. So dnb.com. You can go and verify this yourself. And in fact, I highly recommend that you verify everything I'm telling you. Go look it up. I will give you the websites here in the presentation. I will also give you the websites in the description of this video, below the video. So, first we look up Government of the United States. Well, there it is, under Dun & Bradstreet. There's the link. And although the printing is very small, I took a screenshot, and I will point out some key information. The principal of this corporation is Joseph R. Biden, Jr., the address of the corporation is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. And the website is www.usa.gov. Okay. Well, is every part of the government a corporation? Pretty much. So here's the Department of Defense Corporation. For some reason, they never updated the uh, CEO of this corporation. Uh, it's currently still set as Chuck Hagel under the SEC uh, under Obama from 2013 to 2015. But the address is the Pentagon, and the website is www.defense.gov. It's going on. How about the U.S. Supreme Court Corporation? Well, Justice John G. Roberts is in charge. The address is the Supreme Court address, and their website is supremecourt.gov. One more time. NASA, NASA Corporation, currently run by Bill Nelson, who is the NASA director. The address is NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C., and their website is nasa.com. 
please go verify this. I am not lying to you. So people are still doubting this corporation theory. However, it can't be any more clear than reading the actual U.S. Code, in this case 28 U.S.C. 3002. Cornell University has a law library online, and you can look this up. Paragraph 15 says, United States means a, a federal corporation. If this wasn't true, why would they put this here? In addition, agencies, departments, commissions, boards, or any other thing under the United States, or any instrumentality of the United States. I don't know how to argue against that. So, basically you're asking yourself, what happened? How did we get here? Well, our following fathers, like I said, gave us a constitutional republic. It had never before been attempted in human history. America never was a democracy and never will be a democracy. Anyone who use the, uses the word democracy in a conjunction with the United States of America is totally crazy. It will never be a democracy. Our founding fathers despised democracies because they had always failed throughout history, usually committed suicide, kind of like what ours is doing right now. So there's a quote of the day that is the distinction between a constitutional republic and a democracy. It's often attributed to Benjamin Franklin, but there's no evidence of this. It's a great quote anyway. A democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting for what to have for lunch. A constitutional republic is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. There's your difference. Ever wonder why they're always going after our weapons? So, hopefully, all of us have learned in school that the original republic has three main branches, the executive, the legislative, and judicial. However, there are two other branches that have to do with we the people and our legal, uh, lawful right to assemble. We won't go into that here, that's the whole of the video. Of course, under the executive branch is the president, vice president, under the legislative branch is the House and the Senate, Congress. Under the, <laughs> under the judicial is the Supreme Court. So the president and the vice president, back in the day when it was original constitution, the vice president was actually the person who came in second in the election, not in the same party, typically. So wouldn't that be interesting to have currently Biden as the president and Trump as the vice president. I would think that'd be hilarious. So, of course, we have one of each. So, in the House, original republic now, when the 13 colonies were stood up, that was the United States of America, there were 65 representatives in the House of Representatives. Unfortunately, the boxes would be too small, so you're going to have to just bear with me on my simplistic representation. They were, of course, all of the seats were filled with elections. And then in the Senate, there were two senators per state, 13 states, 26, again, a partial representation. Those seats were filled. And then the Supreme Court, at the time, had 11 Supreme Court justices. So 10 plus a Supreme Supreme, I guess. And those were filled. 
What's interesting, a little history, is the Supreme Court actually varied between six and 11 members over the years, and then it was settled on having only nine, exactly nine, in the Act of 1869, and that's how many we've had ever since. So, of course, as more states were added to the Union, Congress and the Senate grew over time. Unfortunately, again, I don't have room to make all these little boxes, so you're going to have to just use your imagination. Unfortunately, our country facing a very, very difficult time in the Civil War, which started in April of 1861. In total, 11 states had left the Union, so there were 23 states remaining. There were 34 at the time total. So there is some debate about whether states could lawfully leave the Union. Was that something that the Founding Fathers had originally intended? Well, at any, at any rate, they did. So you'll probably do another video on that. So, like I said, 34 state, uh, there were 34 states before the Civil War, 234 congressmen, 68 senators, and nine justices. When the Civil War started, there were 23 states, 180 congressmen, 46 senators, and all the nine justices were still there. So that's what was left. So there were a lot of vacancies. This was called a rump congress, which means there's a smaller part remaining. So President Lincoln had a huge problem. He believed firmly that once the states had signed into the Union, they were bound to it and could not leave. Unfortunately, there was nothing written down. Later, after the Civil War, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on a case called Texas versus White. And in 1869, they determined that a state could not leave the Union unless they had the approval of both the House and the Senate, I'm assuming a majority vote, plus ratification by three-fourths of the state legislatures allowing that state to leave. Can you imagine trying to get three-fourths of the states to agree on anything right now? Or ever. So this is a nearly impossible task, but at least it's now in writing. So at the time of the Civil War, seceding from the Union was considered an insurrection. So in order to preserve the Union, Lincoln had to perform some drastic actions. First, he declared martial law wherever there was fighting or in any of the seceded states. With the martial law came the suspension of habeas corpus, which resulted in the suspension of speedy trial for anyone accused of a crime. In other words, someone could be held in prison indefinitely. Another thing is that he considered the seats of the seceded states vacant, but not deleted. So it would have been very difficult for the House and the Senate to have a majority to vote on bills and other things, because you consider those, considering those votes to be abstained. Maybe most profound, though, is the establishment of what he called executive government. That suspended large portions of the Constitution and created a government that was more corporate than republic. Now, there's probably people who would argue with this, but I want you to go take a look at Lincoln's proclamation dated September 22nd, 1862, and January 1 of 1863, where he clearly uses the term executive government that had never been used before. So when the Civil War started, the martial law and executive government were enacted without a vote by the House or the Senate, or the states, or the people. Lincoln felt that he had to do this in order to save the Union. He planned to revert back to the Constitutional Republic as soon as the war was over and the Union was restored. However, I think we all remember 
that he was assassinated in April of 1865, only a few days after the end of the Civil War. And he never was able to bring it back to the Constitutional Republic. The United States has remained a corporation in some form ever since. So the executive government at the time of the Civil War, when the states had left, is on the left-hand side of the screen. So what Lincoln did was he created a carbon copy of the constitutional government, and he calls it the executive government. And what essentially he did was he took all the people and moved them over to his executive government. And that's how they did business. The Republic was abandoned, but not abolished. The seats were still there, unfilled, this whole time since 1861. So as the southern states came back into the Union, the empty seats were, of course, refilled. And then, over time, new states were added. Again, limitation of my simple diagram. I can't put any more boxes, but use your imagination. So, the corporation. After Lincoln's assassination, President Johnson, not a good guy, kept the corporate system and then built upon it. The 14th Amendment was unlawfully passed by the corporate Congress in 1868 to help explain the citizenship of black men, but instead it changed citizen of the United States to U.S. citizen. You may not think that's a significant change, but however, it affected everyone and it violated the Constitution. So now, U.S. citizenship usurped the state citizenship, which was the supreme citizenship. And this was for the first time in American history. What does all this mean? Well, all the people within the United States became slaves to the corporation, with the people used as collateral on the nation's debt. All states and counties were also required to become incorporated in order to have dealings with the government of the United States. Because you can only have corporations working with corporations. Congress did not lawfully vote for any of this, and especially because Congress was now this corporate entity. So, I'm going to prove to you that the states also became corporations. So, under Dun and Bradstreet, again, you can look this up. The state of Colorado has its own entry, and under there, the principal CEO is Jared Polis, who is the governor of Colorado. And the addresses and websites all line up. Secretary of State, so every other entity under the Colorado government has to also be incorporated. And so you can look up Secretary of State, Treasurer, you know, you name it, they're here. And a Griswold. And everyone in Colorado knows this person, unfortunately. State of Illinois, Governor Pritzker. State of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Do you think Ron DeSantis doesn't know that he is the CEO of the State of Florida Corporation? He knows. They all know, in fact. They're all told once they enter office for the very first time. So in 1871, the debt of the United States could not be paid to the international bankers. The Civil War had done 
tremendous damage to this country. And essentially, the bankers had funded both sides of the war, as they always do. The bankers proposed an agreement between the Vatican, the City of London, and the United States, known as the District of Columbia. Coincidentally, these are the only three, quote, city-states in the entire world. And now they were becoming some sort of allies. And this link here at the bottom of the page is a good summary of what's going on. So this act of 1871 created a new separate corporate government that resides in the 10-mile square parcel of land known as the District of Columbia. And at that moment, common law, which is the law of the Constitution, the law of the land, the law of the people, was changed to maritime law, corporate law. Constitution did not allow for anything like this. And without the authority to do so, Congress had committed an act of treason against the sovereign inhabitants of the Republic. So the three parts of the agreement essentially made the Vatican the CEO, the City of London the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer, and the United States was the military arm. Well, that would explain a lot of reasons why the U.S. has been involved in so many endless useless wars. And the Constitution for the United States of America noticed the capitalization and not capitalization of this sentence, phrase. It became all caps, Constitution of the United States of America. You might think that's not a big change, but it means everything in the courts and the legal system. Essentially, it became a corporate document and stole all of our sovereign rights. So Benjamin Franklin had given us a very stern warning. Upon leaving Independence Hall in 1787, after days and days of going through the possibilities of what kind of government to have, and they finally decided. Mrs. Powell outside and asked him, what have we got, a republic or a monarchy? He replied, a republic, if you can keep it. Unfortunately, we've lost it. So there's a great summary of everything I just talked about so far about when the United States became a corporation here on the LibertyBeacon.com. And as a side note, although it could probably be its own video again, there is a missing 13th Amendment that I would love for you guys to go take a look at. In summary, bar attorneys are not considered citizens of the United States because they cannot hold any political office because they took a foreign oath. So, the amendment was ratified in 1819. It was included in the Constitution of the states and the federal up to 1870, and then removed without cause, illegally. So the impact is that every act of Congress that has attorneys in the mix is unconstitutional. Things are bad enough at this point, but they got much worse. The Federal Reserve. The conspiracy of rich elites and bankers converged on Jekyll Island, Georgia in 1910 in utter secrecy. The Creature from Jekyll Island is a book written by G. Edward Griffin, and I highly, highly recommend that you put this down as your homework. I will put a link to the audio, free audio book that you can listen to this book online. These gentlemen secretly came up with a plan to enslave the United States with a central bank. They proposed the creation of the Federal Reserve, which was a separate entity that would take over all monetary obligations. 
before this, the U.S. did not have a central bank because President Thomas Jefferson had gotten rid of the previous one. They're bad. Then in 1913, Representative Carter Glass had proposed the Federal Reserve Bill in the House and a similar one in the Senate. And eventually it was passed and signed into law on December 23, 1913 by President Woodrow Wilson, who was actually a self-professed communist as one of our presidents. Hmm, this was right before 1914. Something big happened in 1914. You guys remember? Yeah, the start of World War I. Probably not a coincidence. And of course, of course the rich bankers had funded all sides of the war. Then came the income tax. Now, I think we all know the analogy about boiling the frog. Throw a frog into boiling water, it jumps out because it can see it and sense the danger. But if you put a frog in regular temperature water and you slowly add the heat, he will cook to death and not know what's going on because the changes are too small. They did the same thing to us. They did slow additions over time. The 16th Amendment to the Constitution was also in 1913 and allowed for a personal income tax against the Constitution. This Revenue Act, and then the Revenue Act of 1913 lowered the tariff rates on goods. So this is like the sales tax kind of a thing. So 40% to 26%. And then to offset that, they established the 1% tax on personal income above $3,000 per year. Well, now it doesn't sound like a lot, but back then that was only about 3% of the population. So I'm sure you know, your average citizen was like, well, it doesn't impact me. It's not a big deal. They also established a corporate tax of 1% on all corporations, no matter how big they were. That could have an impact. So Congress had committed treason once again. Then came the IRS. It was also started in 1913, called the Board of Internal Revenue, never enacted by Congress. In other words, all personal taxes are unconstitutional. Well, they were anyway. So the IRS is responsible for collecting unlawful taxes under the Federal Reserve, not the Department of Treasury, like we're all led to believe. This means that tax money is going to the international bankers, not to the country. So I pulled up the Department of Treasury organizational chart. I don't see the IRS anywhere in there. You guys could pull this up as much as I can and take a look and verify. Not there. Now it is listed on the Department of Treasury website, but not in the organization chart. So the birth certificate, where the fund just keeps on rolling. In 1906, birth certificates were required. So people were fooled into signing their children into slavery to the federal government. You're like, what? There's actually two different documents that you sign at the hospital, and we don't even know what are they saying to the parents. So the certificate of live birth, that's the one we all have in our possession. It's what the parents are given to verify the birth of the child. That's what we're told. However, the birth certificate, where do they sound the same? was created by the state to make a fraudulent corporation with the child's name in all caps so that you could now be taxed and sued in court because otherwise they can't touch a living man or woman. Did you knowingly agree to 
selling your children to the government? Social, Social Security. In 1935, the Corporate Congress, of course, passed the Social Security Act. After the intentional collapse of the stock market in 1929, again, listen to G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, America was thrust into the Great Depression on purpose. While it might have had honorable intention, the Social Security Act further enslaved the American people by mandating that each worker have a number that tracks them throughout their lifetime. And for those who have lived many years, like ever, much, much more has happened since then. So what's the bottom line? We have not had a lawful constitutional republic since the Civil War in 1861. Slowly over time, the corporate United States, all caps, defrauded the American people. However, here's the good news. A group of patriots, very similar to us, had already figured out how to take back our republic, and they already took it back. The republic. Nearly 2,000 patriots just like us were already awake to what the corrupt corporate governments were doing at all levels. They scoured our founding documents, looking for answers and solutions. In doing that, they established the fact that our republic was never abolished, only abandoned. That meant that we, the people, only needed to figure out how to re-inhabit the republic. And that's what these patriots did in 2010. They used the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, a document that would uh, discuss what to do about the territories of the Northwest of the colonies, essentially the area of Ohio and places like that. They realized that what they needed to do in order to re-inhabit the vacant federal, state, and local public governments. So there's the document on the left-hand side, and I highly recommend you go to the archives.gov, which is the link there, and go read it. This was, again, like I was saying, the territories northwest of the Ohio River, which is kind of the border of where the colonies were at the time, and it outlined a process for acquiring statehood. And that sounds like it could be applicable for a situation. There are three phases as outlined in the ordinance. First, appoint a governor, a secretary, which is essentially the clerk, and then three judges to preside over the territory. Elect an assembly, in other words, a legislature and then one non-voting delegate to the Congress, so you can start fitting in on the proceedings. And that's when the population reached 5,000 free male inhabitants of full age, or in other words, 5,000 eligible voters. And then the third step was to draft a state constitution with the Bill of Rights and request membership in the union after your population, all people, had reached 60,000 total. And that's how a lot of the states were inhabited. So the Northwest Ordinance actually came before the Constitution. It was 1787, and the Constitution was 1791. So the Constitution has additional information on this process. Article 1, Section 1.2.4, states that 30,000 residents qualifies a state for the one congressman. So each state automatically gets two senators, and then the one congressman once you have at least 30,000 residents. And now let's put this all together. So, the Republic was abandoned, not abolished, and that was established by the Republic Patriots. So, the seats have been unfilled since 1861, since the corporate on the right-hand side has been running the government fraudulently ever since. 
There was the Patriots were signing up for the Republic, and they had millions of people at a certain point. The states were able to hold elections once they had their 30,000 people. And then slowly the states were filling up. The Republic, now assembled and meeting regularly, sent notices to all levels of government that the corporate politicians needed to step down to be replaced with the lawful constitutional Republic representatives. How do you think that went? Those notices were ignored. In 2010, the re-inhabited states of the Republic were having their annual meeting, this time in Utah. They realized at that time that they might have the required quorum of states to re-inhabit the country at the federal level. Then on November 14th of 2010, the required quorum signed the Declaration of Intent to re-inhabit the federal level of government, essentially a new Declaration of Independence. And the Republic representatives appointed their first president, James Timothy Turner. Interim President Turner took his place. In reality, at this time, there were two parallel governments at the same time in the United States of America. One de jure, lawful, constitutional republic, and one de facto corporation. Then in 2012, representatives of the republic presented their founding documents, including the Proclamation of Claim and Interest, to the International Court of Justice at The Hague, the United Nations, the Universal Postal Union, the Committee of 300, and the U.S. Corporate Joint Chiefs of Staff. These briefings are required to establish the lawful status of the re-inhabited republic. Since the corporation had hijacked the American flag as a symbol, the Republic searched, for the, uh, searched the original documents for the flag design and then created and approved a flag for the Republic. And you see it flying there. Same 13 stripes, red and white, as we had before, but now the blue field has the stars arranged in a circle. Why haven't you heard any of this before now? Well, Obama was the president at the time, corporate, of course and the harassment of the members of the Republic began. President Turner was arrested in 2012, no charges. He remains as a political prisoner to this day in a federal prison in Georgia. Many members of the Republic went underground for their safety. There was a lot of harassment, and that caused many patriots to leave the Republic. In fact, now, in 2022, some of the states are no longer considered to be fully re-inhabited. So a new president was elected, President James Buchanan Geiger, who honorably serves to this day. So what is the Republic's role in the coming transition? We're all praying for that transition early. The Trump administration had identified the Republic as the interim government once the corporate government is removed. That's going to take the military, martial law, almost certainly. The Republic will be required to hold lawful elections at every level of government within 120 days of the removal of the corporate government. No machines, only paper ballots. In the meantime, the interim state government will consist of five representatives governor, a justice, a congressman, and two senators, very similar to the Northwest Ordinance. Before the corporate government is removed, 
if a state can reach 30,000 residents that have pledged allegiance to the republic, then free elections can occur before the corporate government is removed. Of course, the most important positions will be the county sheriff and then the county clerk. So anyone currently in corporate office is not eligible to serve in the republic. Let that sink in. So how can you get involved? What can you do? Well, of course, you have to join the republic. Go to the website and sign up for the newsletter. Every resident of every age can sign up if you can. It's a very long website name. Republic for the United States of America.org. Republic for the United States of America.org. When the Republic residents in your state exceed 30,000, you'll be informed of coming elections. Of course, the goal is to form our own Republic government and totally ignore the corporate one until it's removed. Up until 1789, with the ratification of the Constitution, all people within America had state citizenship only. When someone says, you know, where are you a citizen? You would say, I'm a citizen of Colorado, I'm a citizen of Illinois, I'm a citizen of Florida. Once the union was formed, all people had both state citizenship and a citizenship of the United States, meaning I'm an American and a citizen of Colorado. State citizenship, though, was always higher always more important. However, the 14th Amendment fraudulently reversed that. So one of the things that you can do is to reestablish your state national status. That is to make that the most important part of your citizenship. So here's some homework for you and some more action. So I highly recommend you buy the Re-Inhabited Books. It's a two-volume series by Jean and David Hurtler. You can find them on pretty much any book uh, website. I recommend not Amazon. Pick something else if you can. Volume one is the true history of America. And it goes way back. It goes like all the way back to Magna Carta and even before that. It's an outstanding book. Volume two is the history of the Republic re-inhabited. So this is what all these patriots have done to bring back our Republic. So join the Free Republic and learn your history, just like I said, that website we've already mentioned. Go to the website and listen to the Declaration and Proclamation. So some of our members actually read the Declaration and the Proclamation from the Re-Inhabited Republic. It's also on odyssey.com. You can find it there. Or you can just go to the Republic website and you can click on the link to that video. Highly recommend it. Or just read it on the website. Learn about what your country really is all about. Also, we're, there are Republic flags available on the website. It may take a while. Ordering is kind of a little slow now, but you can fly that at your house. And when people ask you, your flag is a little different. You can explain the Republic and you can recruit more people. Also, I highly recommend you read the book, The Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. It's a very small book, but a very important read. So, become a state national. There are many different processes to do that. We actually have one in the local Colorado Springs area. Please email me for that information. Also, keep the pressure on the school boards and the county commissioners. They truly hate it when the people are involved because they don't want our interference in their 
corporate governance. When you're recruiting people, this is something I have found to be very helpful. If you find somebody who's just absolutely not listening to what you have to say, tell them that, well, I'll tell you what. When you catch up to me, why don't you get in touch with me and I'll bring you up to speed. People really hate to be thought, thinking that they're behind in some way. And I have found this to be a very cool tool to kind of turn the tide on these people who are fully asleep. Of course, spread the word. If you can make this video go viral, that would be outstanding. And we can get more people to join the Republic and take back our country. So here's my email address again, sandy10m at yahoo.com. Please contact me with any questions that you have about this presentation. When I post this online, I will post all of the links and documents that you saw within this presentation, plus a whole lot more stuff that you can learn more about what's actually going on in our country. But I think now that this makes sense to us, why our current, quote, elected politicians are not following the Constitution that you and I are following, because they're a corporation and their rules are completely different. So thank you for coming, and God bless America. There you have it right there. If you weren't paying attention, it's only 37 minutes. Explains exactly what the problem is. Then you go back in a little bit of history, back in 2010, 2009. This was part of the republic I was a part of, <clears throat> where we sat down with people like Ron Paul and uh, many leaders of the military and uh, uh, the prominent people around the country and put something together. And what he was describing in there, a lot, of, a lot of crap went down. You know, Obama went, came after us. So, uh, and, you know, this, this, was, uh, this is the only lawful way you're going to fix anything in this country. The only lawful way you're going to fix anything in this country. I said that again. Twice I said that. So you're not going to protest. You're not going to march. And Trump's not going to save you. Okay, and and you're not going to elect uh, anyone else, JFK or anybody else, and not, Calvary's not coming down from the hills to save you. The republic, to restore the republic, we must do it. The only way now that we can do it is through the Northwest uh, Treaty there, Northwest, okay? It's the only way that we're going to do this is to restore and re-inhabit the de jure government, de jure republic. You're not going to file a lawsuit, and she's explained this, Duns and Bradstreet, look it up, Duns and Bradstreet, look it up. The United States is a corporation, Washington, D.C. They got a jail there, a huge jail, most violent jail in the country. That's where all the January 6ers were uh, placed, 400 of them. Uh, they're, they're, they're starting to get out of jail now, and they're doing interviews. And uh, um, there was one on a podcast earlier actually explaining it, but um, – you know, many people, but the testimonies, that's, that's, that's things that are happening, things that happened on January 6th, January 6th, there were people there in the crowd that were ready to kill everybody there, trust me, okay? There's, there's things going on right now in this country that you don't have a clue what's going on. People think they do, they don't, okay? But back anyway, back in 2009, we came so close, so close, and... Really, people from the military said this. I remember I was at a meeting. It was about 350, 400 of us in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And uh, the military guy said, he says, uh, I'm going to ask everybody this question. What do you think is going to happen 
when we get on the 6 o'clock news and explain all this, that we're arresting Obama, we're going to arrest Biden, we're going to arrest Pelosi, we're going to arrest all these people, and the military is going to come in and we're going to do this. What do you think is going to happen? And what's going to happen with the Federal Reserve? What do you think we're going to do when we, when, you know, when we, when we have to do a transition and people are going to be feeling a little bit of pain <clears throat> for, for about a year or two? You know, well, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen across cities across America? These monkeys walking around with their pants down their legs, bebopping with their rap music. What do you think those roving bands of gangs are going to do? What do you think 3,000 Crips and Bloods are going to do out west or across the country, the Mexican Mafia, uh, all these other MS-13s and all these gangs and, and all the people that aren't going to support us and all the bubblehead liberals out there? What do you think is going to happen, people? Are you ready for bloodshed? Because that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of problems. So are you ready, patriots? And people started second-guessing, saying, well, maybe we need to do this in 10 years. Maybe we need to educate people more. We can't even get 10 people to meet at Burger King for a cup of coffee. Okay? So I remember. Now look what they've done to all the grassroots groups. Look at the Oath Keepers. They destroyed the Oath Keepers. Everyone thinks they're a terrorist group now. We had 350,000 Oath Keepers across this country. We're down to about 100 members now. Okay? There's, this, this is, we are so far gone. But people are starting to wake up now a little bit again, kind of like with that Tea Party movement there. But, but they're skidding off the tracks. They skate off the tracks, and they go the wrong way. There's like a, a wall that people just can't get over. Like she was saying at the end of the video, okay, well, when you catch up to me, let me know. You know, because people, just, they just start arguing. Like, my tax dollars, my tax dollars. You know, and I get on people about that. Your taxes don't pay for anything. We have a machine called the Federal Reserve. It prints the money. Okay, taxes don't pay for anything. It's fake money. It's debt-based. It's a note. It's a Federal Reserve note. Okay? It's debt-based. You're the debt. People should get arguments over that. They don't understand. Well, how do they just create bonds? What do you mean? You know, they just don't. And then they think they can sell themselves on when they go cash in the birth certificate. I mean, people are just nuts. But since we're on the brink of World War III here, and now it's starting to get a little quiet again, you know, things starting, everybody's starting a holiday season. And they got that digital currency waiting in the wings, and there's going to be a big upheaval in the springtime coming. Oh, yeah, we got inside word on that one. You know, so, you know, you guys, uh, you know, but, but there's people working behind the scenes, still patriots out there. They're trying to do the right thing, trying to be freaking keep us, you know, keeping this country afloat. But anyway, that woman there, that was the lieutenant. Colonel Sandy Mariaki, Mariaki, I always say her name wrong. She's been on my podcast actually several times. Um, when we did the little test run there for about six months, we did the Republic on my podcast. Go back and, and people called in and started fighting with them, arguing with them. And they're like, that's it, Joe. Sorry, we're done. We're done, Joe. We're done. And then we, they, uh, you know, went back to doing their thing. You know, we're not going to argue with people. We're not going to argue with people. This is how it is. This is what happened. This is the history. This is what happened. The people just don't get it. They don't understand the 14th Amendment and slavery. They don't understand the Acts of 1871. They don't get the fact that the Civil War was not fought over slavery. They don't understand this. They just don't. They can't. 
They just can't register it. They don't understand the Federal Reserve, how it just prints the money. They don't understand that we're not a democracy. We're a republic. You know, I mean, you'll never hear me call us a democracy. Never. Never will you hear me say democracy. Never. Never, 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 never. Never happened. But I thought that was useful to play tonight. And maybe the doors to Now, I am running in the de facto for public office, but I'm running under the premise of restoring our re- – when I get into public office, we will restore the republic de jure. Codes and statutes, right out of there. No. Back to common law, back to restoring our republic. You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard to do this. You know, the machine is going to be out to get me. The machine's going to be, you know, ripping me apart. They already are. You know, I got, I'm, you know, they're coming after me now, trying to rip me, to take me out. You don't have a clue what they're doing to me. You wouldn't, if I tried explaining it to you, you wouldn't understand. But they're trying to get me, to this day, right now. You know, they have been for a long time. But they're coming close. I mean, I could be a fugitive next week for all I know. You know, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it, but the bottom line is this. Um, I know where I stand. I know what I fight for. I know what I represent. And I, I, and I understand the light bulb went on many, many years ago with what's happening. But uh, the Republic for the United States dot org is the website that you want to go to. Go to the Republic of the United Republic. They switched it around because they they got censored on the internet. Uh, let me see if I can find the exact the exact this way I can put it in the chat room too. But I posted the link for the video in the chat room. Let me see because they switched it around. But all the information is there, and each state actually has their own republic. Uh, so I, I I think uh, North, North Carolina still got theirs. Republic. Hang on. Let me see. Hang on. Republic. It was Republic for the United States, Republic of the United States, uh, Republic for the United States thing is, because the Internet, they, they see that because they're getting, getting control over everything, so you can't find certain stuff anymore, and they block it, you know, and see, I used to be able to get it right up, I have to switch my browser, probably in my other browser, Republic of the United States dot org, Republic of the United States dot org, that's probably the which one you want to find, and, uh, um, look for, but it's in that probably in that in video in that link. It's probably in that in there probably. Um, I, I believe it's in the video. Hang on. So I know somebody, two three people have messaged me already about it. But you can email Sandy actually. Even if you want to email Sandy, she will get back to you. She will. She's a good person. Uh, you can email her at Sandy Ten M at Yahoo dot com. Uh, Sandy. 10m at yahoo.com and uh, email her and ask her any questions you want and uh, she'll be more than happy to uh, just tell her Joe Gibson Joe Gibson uh, thanks you she knows who I am very 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 well and uh, you just regularly give my name and uh, or just say you heard it on my show or something and she will definitely get back to you trust me trust me she will um, but uh, let's see here there's a lot of the Northwest West Ordinance is the uh, what, what we were really talking about there, and uh, but great stuff. The, the links here are all on that video. I posted the video to the, to the video actually in the chat room because I got it on my Rumble. But um, you know, so uh, but uh, the missing thirteenth Thirteenth Amendment is really a good uh, one. Summary of the U.S. Corporation. That's a good one. Um, 
Um, let me see here. Let's get back up here. Uh, uh, oh, here it is right here. Here it is. You go republicforthunitedstatesofamerica.org. That's what you want. Republic for the United States of America.org. Republic for the United States of America.org. That's what you want. And they'll email you all. They still email me all the time. And all the other uh, sites are up there, too. My, my podcast show is on all these sites, I think. Uh, so, um, you know, because, um, you know, I've, that's what my show is dedicated to, restoring our republic. I've been doing this. I'm one of the original people in this Restore America. We started out as a Restore America plan. And then uh, we uh, switched it. Um, or Sam, Dr. Sam Kennedy was involved. A lot of people, you see, a lot of people went rogue, too. Uh, you know, I mean, some people lost their lives even. I remember the shootout out in Arizona they had with the cops. So one, one group did, and that was crazy that night. I remember on the, on the, they, they used to have a radio show they used to do also and uh, with um, Kelby Smith. Kelby's, like, very, very smart. I mean, there's some people that know this stuff, like, real well. I mean, they uh, <laughs> I mean, they can go in and arrest freaking judges. I mean, you know, but you're not going to go in and beat a court, any court case. You know, so that's when people get confused with this. They start declaring people sovereign citizens, sovereign nuts, and everything. Guy wants to fish without a license and he gets arrested. You know, crazy, crazy stuff like that. Don't get involved with that nonsense. You know, you want to go driving around without a license plate and put, you know, paper plates and everything on your car. You know, you're just asking for trouble. Um, another good site would be uh, RighteousArmy.org. That was the National Militia site when we had this year the National Militia call where we did 50 uh, videos um, and about 30 of them with about uh, 50 to 100 other guys from around the country that are militia. Um, the BigVirusHoax.com, when they say, uh, that's a good one. This stuff, you know, this stuff is real good stuff. I mean, you know, for people out there, we, you know, want to stay in contact with uh, with patriots across the country, and uh, you know, this 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 is what you got to know, man. You got to know this stuff. Um, you got to understand it. So, six five seven three eight three zero six one six. I know it's late. Um, I'm not going to be doing uh, probably probably too many calls here. A couple callers on the line, but nobody putting their hand up. That's fine. Usually this late at night, nobody's going to call in and talk. Uh, unless Sarge is out there. <laughs> I don't know if he's out there or not. John Doe or whatever. But um, no, I just figured I'd put this in and put this up as a. You know, as something like late night, so you guys can archive it. I might play it again. I think they, I think that video is, tw- is what thirty seven minutes long. I think every podcast that we're on should play that. Should play that for its listeners. Um, it's important. It's the only video that really outlines everything in uh, full detail of uh, how our country was stolen. And the books that she's talking about, I, I remember when they first brought uh, Gene and David Hurtler. They they were on my the Republic show all the time too. Uh, they sent me a couple of the books signed. I remember 2014 when they sent them to me. Really good books, um, good stuff. Um, so, uh, well, I got, so now the brainwashing tactic. How do they brainwash all the people? Um, I'll play something like that real quick here, about nine minutes long, and then uh, we'll get ready to wrap it up. If anybody wants to comment or talk, we can. Um, I'm more than happy to listen to you if you got something you want to talk about. Um, like I said, uh, Monday morning I'm filing my actual notice of candidacy here in North Carolina. And paying my filing fee because I have to be have permission. I have to have money, of course, to file. Uh, so it's like a couple hundred bucks. I got to pay that. Uh, and my name will be on the ballot here in North Carolina, and for North Carolina House of Representatives. So imagine I mean, if I want to run for governor, I got to pay eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> eighteen hundred dollars to get my name on the ballot. <laughs> Crazy man. What the hell is wrong with this country, man? This country's going off and look more nuts. Country's crazy. 
crazy, man, crazy. <laughs> you got to pay eighteen hundred dollars to get to put your name on the ballot. <laughs> what the hell is going on, man? <laughs> people, people really go for they they do this. You know, our Republicans going. All right, listen to this real quick. This is good. This, this is a good one right here. Let's see if we can get this up here real quick. Yeah, brainwash you. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and go to another clip now, uh, the uh, Three Doors Down uh, video. And what, it looks like what I saw in the movie theater last night was a different variant of this. So there must be multiple variants of Three Doors Down. And, and this particular one is equating being in the National Guard with being in the militia and the Revolutionary War. People know that's bedrock America. There's a hunger for revolution. So they're saying, yes, we're the revolution. Join the military. They don't tell you, though, the National Guard now has been totally federalized. You'll go overseas immediately, then be trained in kicking down doors and gun confiscation, and then come back here to the U.S. under NORTHCOM. Go ahead and roll it. Keep going. 
She get pause. She get pause. See, just like Obama says, we're going to have national compulsory service, but the first thing they push is helping people in floods and hurricanes and soup kitchens. Well, who's against that? But the real mission is taking your guns. The bills are introduced to do it, and they've announced troops are in the U.S. to be used against us for that. And they did it in New Orleans and Illinois. So this is a different version than I saw last night. Um, there must be a whole bunch of these things out there. And what was the one you were – well, keep going. See, now they're associating it with everything's an image, a meme, a, a archetype. You know, now you see one of the revolutionary swamp foxes. He's running from cannon fire. He's a militia. When in truth, the feds are demonizing militias, trying to outlaw them, trying to disarm the American people. But they show you that image. Oh, we're the guys that are with the Founding Fathers. When I have FEMA on video teaching the Founding Fathers we're terrorists, then America's bad. Oh, it's in Road to Tyranny. You want me to play that clip? You're out there doubting me? Oh, just like I told you, Alzheimer's is being caused by watching TV? And all the mercury in your food? Would you like me to Would you like me to show FEMA saying the Founding Fathers were bad? If we have time, we will do that, but it's in Road to Tyranny. So look at that. That's a, that's a, that's a minute, man. Ooh, that's been taboo. That's been bad in the media, but now it's okay. You can be a minute man. You can be a minute man. You can help take over Iraq and make sure all the kids get their shots so they can't have babies. But they'll tell you it was so they don't get smallpox. Let's go ahead and go back to the clip. Notice how the guy running looks like or maybe the same guy playing football. We all know we're connected instinctively to our ancestors and that we are connected to those who come after us. We truly live forever through our progeny. So they're actually reaching into base human programming, not just with our heritage, but, but directly with it being the same person, saying he fought before, be part of that great heritage. This is hardcore psych warfare. Continue with the Pentagon attack on the American people. Go ahead. I fired the shot that started the nation. I fired the shot that started the nation. Right there. They've introduced the gun control bills to literally ban all semi-autos, to make everybody be licensed in America with psychological federal testing, where the feds can say you're on a terror or crime list with no judge, no jury, no arrest, and ban you owning any guns. It's all introduced. We covered it earlier in the show. They've introduced bills to build FEMA camps. They've already built the camps, but now they're saying they're going to merge local police with them. They're destroying what these guys went to war because the British were confiscating their guns. Now, the very same New World Order is here doing it, claiming they're our ancestors. That is high treason. Our military isn't ours anymore. We are the Minutemen. We are the Sons of Liberty that fight the New World Order, not the people in the military. Now, there are good people in the military who know what's going on are upset, in fact, the majority of them, but they're being replaced with legal aliens and crime syndicate operatives, and the biggest recruiting stations are in Mexico City, Manila, Philippines, and, of course, in the major cities in the Eastern Bloc, former Eastern Bloc, like Ukraine and Czech Republic. Check into it. They're signing deals to bring foreign troops into America, not just in the combined force. Now, remember that. Remember who you work for. You work for the bankers that have hijacked America and now have to use the military to suppress the people so we don't get justice while your banker bosses take over the pension funds. 
back it up about 20 seconds. I want to play this for folks. Oh, you started a nation. That's good. Hit play. You started a nation. You know, because you're in the New World Order military. You No, you are the ones killing the country and killing other sovereign countries. Your country killers. Your freedom killers. You're training to take our guns, and I've got video 10 years ago of it, and now it's openly announced. Play the video. and then it cuts to Apache helicopters blowing up cities. No, the Redcoats were the Apache helicopters blowing up cities. The ragtag people fighting them are the equivalent of 1776ers. Let's get that straight, too. We were the underdogs. The Iraqis are the underdogs, not the big giant behemoth blowing the hell out of everything in its way. This is disgusting, sickening, filthy propaganda. And everything the military works for now is destroying the Bill of Rights and Constitution that all the other veterans before them fought for. This is a disgrace and is an abomination to the republic. I rebuke this accursed piece of propaganda. Go to the, continue with the evil. <laughs> women starving for a meal to eat in all these countries because the globalists came in and blew up their water structures, their power plants, their roads, their bridges, their infrastructure, and put siege on them for decades. Women starving for something to eat. All this bull. I mean, you know, the Nazis had propaganda posters where it showed a Nazi soldier, you know, in Russia or Poland handing someone a, a loaf of bread. There's literally pictures of them handing a woman a loaf who's going like this below them, and they're going, Pile Hitler below it, handing the woman a piece of bread. And by the way, I know when I just did that, the psyops are going to go put that in sales, Helen Hitler. But then people are going to find out you lied about it and find out you're working for the government, and then they'll know how credible we are. So go ahead and run your psyop on that one, too. You lying scum will be defeated. The Republic is going to kick your ass. Get that straight. The real 1776ers, not this counterfeit. Now go back to the video.
then this would be an accurate video. And again, we're not even we're not against the troops here. We're against you being propagandized and brainwashed. So so continue. It's just every five seconds is paralyzed. Go back to it. All right, let's pause right there. Oh, I stormed the beaches of Normandy. See, they're going back through all the heritage. Meanwhile, it was big U.S. and British banks that actually installed Hitler. He was Time Magazine Man of the Year twice and worshipped in the United States and told to go ahead and invade those countries. Then they set him up and brought him down. They create these evil demons. It's like Saddam Hussein and some of them Laden all of them. So they're equating joining the National Guard with all this when the National Guard is openly going to be used against the American people in gun confiscation. Continue. He loves his wife. They just tug on every heartstring. He's kissing his ring. Families. Here, watch this. Makes you think of your wife. So that's for the old people watching. This is all unified propaganda to sell the public on war, to sell the public on tyranny, uh, to get young people to join the National Guard, thinking they won't be shipped overseas. They'll be backing up the citizen soldiers. Continue. soldiers helping people here in the U.S., more propaganda. In truth, the National Guard would be there confiscating the firearms, as they do all over the country. There's a disaster now. So, again, sell, just like Barack Obama says, well, I'm for compulsory soup kitchens. But really behind that is domestic police brigades. So, see, this is all just propaganda they put in here. Continue. I always place the mission first. Then they say pray. You know, the government's there destroying religion when they don't like it or using it to control people when they can with the clergy response teams. Right at a red dawn, the local preachers trained to tell American citizens to turn their guns in and go to FEMA camps. Because I will never accept defeat. Defeat to them is leaving an occupied country. And now Obama is basically saying the troops will just stay in Iraq forever. They're going to increase the troops in other areas of the world, like Afghanistan. And the message is, I never show a, a white flag. We never retreat. We never leave. They said we'd be there six months. They promised we – but the documents said they were going to be there forever. Hundred-year war. So, again, just every five seconds, pure propaganda. Continue. You may not wear a crown. You have the redcoats coming to confiscate guns. That's how it started. You have the militia shooting them, and now they cut to U.S. military doing a breach entry, blowing open the door for gun confiscation. The redcoats are coming to take the guns. They show you the image of the Minutemen firing back. Then it cuts to U.S. military doing an entry for gun confiscation. Back it up a few seconds here. They've all been trained. They're coming back to be cops and domestic military. They've been kicking down doors thousands of times. They're trained in it. They brought back the main brigade, who are the top folks in this, to the United States for this. This play out, we're going to come back and finish it up. I meant to get to all these calls, but I started analyzing propaganda. It's just, you know, fructose corn syrup's good for you. A really study finds high fructose corn syrup contains mercury. Half of brands tested high, high levels of mercury. 
But on the ads, they go, there's no proof there's anything wrong, corn syrup. It's a conspiracy theory. You know, everything's fine. All right, there you have it. All right, well, I I like that, uh, you know, just a, you know, it's true. You see the TV commercials and all the nonsense, you know. You got to love it. Oh, man, well, a little late-night knowledge for everybody, you know. So uh, anybody here that wants to talk here or have a comment here, late, 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 usually I don't do these late nights, so it's 657-383-0616, press the number one. Uh, if you missed the first video there I did, it was about how we can restore our republic, restore our republic, our lawful, de jure form of government, not the de facto corporation that everyone thinks they can fix or Donald Trump's going to save. Um, that's not going to happen. And uh, it's in the chat room, the uh, link to that video, which you can go to the uh, – let me see, let me tell you again, the Republic for the United States – is it Republic for the United States of America dot org? Republic, Republic for the United States dot org. Excuse me, Republic for the United States of America dot org. Go there and check it out. And uh, that website right there. And every state actually has its life here in North Carolina. We've got the uh, NCR. We've got the North, North Carolina Republic. And I don't know what state everyone else is in. Well, check your state. Usually you've got your own Republic website there. Um, we were in all 50 states back in 2010 when we had the uh, national meeting in Utah uh, that, they was, that they were talking about in that uh, video there. So you got to go back. If you missed it, missed it, go back and listen to it in the archive. Uh, uh, really explains the de jure, the de jure uh, republic that we lost, but we still get back. You know, it explains the Constitution, the Northwest Ordinance, and uh, you know how we can get back our republic. And uh, hopefully, people out there will pay attention because it's the only way we're going to restore our republic lawfully. Okay, you know, there's no other way. There's no other way you're going to restore this thing unless you know we elect all grassroots candidates. And like here, I'm North Carolina. I'm running for office. You know, and you're running on the platform to restore the republic and uh, restore our lawful de jure constitution. I know people out there think, you know, it's cra- some people are crazy when they talk about that. But listen, it's a fact. It's law. It's in the history books. I know you want to know true history. So six five seven three three zero six one six. press number one if you want to talk, and uh, I'll get you on here. A few private callers. I see a couple other callers on there. So if you guys don't want to talk, um, let's see what else I got here. Uh, and then, of course, I'm on tonight, 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. I'll have Dr. Excuse me, 7 p.m. with Dr. Peter Ventura. For the first hour, we'll be doing uh, – he'll be teaching the book of Daniel, how it coincides with the end times today. And uh, then I'll be talking again, restoring the republic for the second hour. So, uh, And then, of course, we've got conservative nation radio uh, with Robert. He's on at 9 p.m. And then um, – of course, uh, Sunday, you got uh, Lucid Libertarian there. She's on at 9 p.m. Uh, so uh, then you got the American Statesman on Monday. So, these, you know, these are all great shows. Then you got Donnie C's on Saturday, I think. So, you know, you got all these great podcasts that are here. We're all together trying to uh, restore our republic and talk about, you know, the things that uh, what we have to do to restore our republic. You know, very important, man. I mean, it's, it's, this is stuff that uh, we got to do. It's go time. There is no – I really believe that we we are close to digital currency, and once they get that digital currency uh, implemented, it's all over. There's no escaping that. They will have total control, total control. There's going to be no more – No, I mean, seriously, this is that's some serious business right there. Total control over us, no doubt about it. 
and they're talking three, four, five months maybe, uh, digital currency. That's from what I hear. And, uh, I mean, there's no way out of it, no escaping. The total tyranny then. And, uh, I mean, so wake up, people. Wake up, man. Seriously. Time to wake up.
On November the 9th, this is two days before the armistice, a local pastor came to the hospital and told the patients that on November the 8th that the Kaiser had abdicated and Germany was now a republic. And he told them that the war was lost. Defeat was followed by a humiliating peace of Versailles. The injustice of Versailles rankled with most Germans for the next 20 years. Unable to accept that the German army had lost the war, Hitler convinced himself that the soldiers had been stabbed in the back by communist revolutionaries and parliamentary politicians. The stab in the back, he believed, was part of a great Jewish conspiracy. Suddenly, Hitler discovered the greatest talent he possessed, the gift of public speaking. <laughs> joined a small group of fanatical nationalists in Munich. They became the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or Nazis. In 1921, Hitler became their leader. Eligible for parole. 
Nein. commissions of the Western powers are still negotiating in Moscow with a view of enlisting Russia in their front against Germany. Vice Foreign Minister von Guttentrop flies to the public capital to sign a pact of non-aggression and consultation with Mr. Stalin and Foreign Commissar Molotov. agricultural equipment. The peasants were left with nothing to eat and nothing to work the soil with. Eventually, that catastrophe that Lenin had described as the most useful for communism raised its head again. Fast. In Ukraine alone, Six million people starved over the next few years. Two million died in Kazakhstan, and one million in northern Caucasus. Children reduced to skin and bone died in agony. There was another ghastly result of the famine inspired by Stalin. Cannibalism. Peasants maddened by hunger began to eat corpses. Then an even worse horror emerged. Some peasants had kidnapped children and eaten them. Mm -hmm. 
front of these two Russian peasants, caught eating human flesh, lay the remains of the children they had snatched. Stalin's regime had turned human beings into savage animals, just as communism had intended. Everyone who opposed Stalin's collectivization policy paid with his life. Tens of thousands of kulaks were detained and shot. In actual fact, the regime branded everyone it saw as opposed to its ideology as kulaks. Large numbers of priests and even members of their congregations who attended church frequently were arrested as kulaks. Some were executed. Others were sent to the labor camps, where a slow, lingering death awaited them. These camps were set up all over Russia and were simply another of Stalin's killing machines. Millions of people regarded as enemies of the state were worked to death in them under the most terrible conditions. Some were put to work laboring on canals in the blazing heat. Others were sent off to break rocks in the freezing cold of Siberia. These people, forced to perform hard labor under the worst possible conditions, soon turned into living skeletons. The great majority never left the camps alive. The Soviet Union, like every communist country, has what was a, an economic basket case. It could not uh, produce enough to survive. And so every communist uh, socialist state has been dependent upon aid from uh, the capitalist producers. So Russia was desperate for our aid, both in terms of direct government aid, but also in terms of opening up the spigots for private capital markets, particularly New York, uh, uh, bankers and, and corporations could move into Russia in a big one. In 1933, the Roosevelt administration invited a Soviet representative to Washington to negotiate terms of diplomatic recognition. Only one survivor is shot. The political officer at the fortress, Mikhail Fomin. The Fuhrer cites the defensive breast as an heroic effort, an example to his own soldiers. And he visits the fortress with meaning to acknowledge a hard-earned victory. But for Stalin, the defenders of Brest are not heroes. Years later, after they release from German capture, he will send survivors to the Gulag. The Wehrmacht 
That is relentless advance. He was unstoppable. Traveling at up to 60 miles a day, Panzer divisions are already approaching the heart of Stalin's empire. And in the middle of July, Stalin is forced to consider offering the Germans a negotiated peace. While Stalin contemplates a way out of the war, he's drawing up plans to punish his own troops if they surrender. In a desperate attempt to halt the rout, he issues order number 270. All officers and political officials taken prisoner at the front are to be considered traitors. If ever they return to the Soviet Union, they will be arrested and executed. But the barbarity of Order 270 does not stop there. The wives of captured troops also face imprisonment in the Gulag. Battle wagon moored outboard of the USS Maryland, shuts to torpedo ships. She begins the same and capsizes. More torpedoes rip into the battleships California and Nevada. After the last bombing drop, the United States of America first has a Pacific Fleet. Thank <laughs> you. 
dark days of autumn 1941, the summer's defeats had decimated the Red Army, and Hitler's artillery can strike Moscow itself. The Soviet Union seems on the brink of total defeat. But Stalin has his back to the wall, and he will stop at nothing to protect his power base. Hitler and the Allies expect the fall of Moscow at any moment. In the capital, an agitated Stalin entrusts the defense to General Zhukov. And it is his suggestion at the end of November of a counterattack against the German princes that triggers hurried planning for a massive Soviet counteroffensive. It is a plan made possible by the seemingly limitless depth of Red Army reserves. His agent in Tokyo, Richard Zorga, has sent word that Japan will not, as feared, attack the USSR from Manchuria. And for once, crucially, Stalin took the advice of a million. He authorizes the transfer west of more than half the Soviet strength in the Far East. Seventeen fresh divisions, trained regulars with full armored and artillery support, that will form the heart of the counterattack. The first days of December are an agony of anticipation, but on the fifth, Zhukov unleashes his armies. Within 48 hours, the Soviet thrusts are fully underway. Hitler's furious order to hold advanced positions is meaningless. The Red Army's new T-34 tanks are rugged, powerful fighting machines designed to perform unfailingly in the bitter cold of deepest winter. And sports of specialist troops are too fast for the ill clad their mouths. German troops can only fall back in astonished disarray as army to the center, the juggernaut that was to crush Moscow, is smashed apart. After six months of catastrophic defeats, the Red Army's hard-fought victory is undeniable. And as the year closes, Soviet towns and villages west of the capital are being freed from their brief Nazi occupation. There will be more sweeping Soviet victories, but none will burn more brightly than this first astounding recovery from the brink of the peace. Convinced now that Germany is on the brink of collapse, Stalin demands attack after attack. Every remaining reserve is thrown into the fray as he seeks to drive the invader from Soviet territory. But it is impossible. Their superhuman effort has taken its toll. And the armies are exhausted. Dissipated by Stalin's overreaching ambition, 
The offensives make only trivial gains, and at a dreadful cost. And by the time this attack peter out in February, the Red Army has lost almost a million troops in the battle for Moscow. That grim statistic will be hidden from the Soviet people for half a century. The majority of Wehrmacht units may have escaped encirclement, but they could not save their equipment. Now it lies abandoned everywhere, a gigantic German scrapyard. It is a fitting sight to show British Foreign Minister Eden when he arrives to survey the battlefield. For neither Britain nor Stalin's new ally, the United States, believed that Moscow could survive the German onslaught. But if the Western Allies are amazed, this one victory has revealed to Stalin a mirage of complete triumph, and he is totally committed to further attack. But he has miscalculated. The Wehrmacht is not yet beaten, and a furious Hitler is planning massive new offenses. His folly will again compel the Red Army to fight in desperate defense. And so, the Soviet people must struggle on. It will be a long, painful journey, and many will not survive to its conclusion. This unique footage shows NKVD troops putting his edict into practice. They're known as blocking units. Deployed just behind the troops, they pass a crucial sentence on any who disobey Order 227, enforcing the Supreme Commander's will without hesitation or mercy. From the USA's Alaskan airfields, fighter aircraft fly into Siberia to aid a Red Army almost ready to launch its counter-strike. And on the 19th of November, a huge artillery barrage by the Southwest Front pierces the front. And Geremenko's southern wing surges forward on the next day. The Vermont, taken utterly by surprise, cannot stop them. And as the Allies collapse on the flanks, there are no reserves to stem the resurgent red tide. Within three days, the Southwest Front has taken Kalat, some 80 kilometers west of Stalingrad. And on the 23rd of November, a few miles southwest of Kalach, its advanced units meet up with Yeremenko's forces. Suddenly, the German 6th Army and the 4th Panzer Army, perhaps 300,000 of Hitler's finest troops, 
are surrounded inside Stalingrad. The hunter has been captured by his prey. An astonished Hitler summons Manstein, his troubleshooter, to Stalingrad. Two Soviet armies, the first and second guards, are rushed to meet Manstein's relief force and stop it dead in its tracks. The guards pay a high price for stopping Manstein. Almost two-thirds of the army is killed or wounded. There will be no relief now for German troops in Stalingrad. The Luftwaffe tries, but the Red Army brings up extra AA batteries, and the lumbering German transports are blown out of the sky in their hundreds. Yet, like Soviet troops before them, they entertain no thought of surrender. For ordinary soldiers on both sides, this is the ghastly climax to a long, dark journey. In the heart of the cauldron, Hitler's gladiators know now that they are doomed. They evacuate a few casualties on the last plane out of Stalingrad. And with it go their last words to families, lovers, friends. Oh, 
Now the center route across the Ardennes is wide open. The Germans flow around Bastogne on all sides, encircling the American forces there. They thought the Germans were beaten after the race across France. Now the Germans were not beaten. December 22nd, the situation in Bastogne grows desperate. Ammunition is short. McCollum's artillery battalions are down to 10 rounds per gun, and it's still snowing. The cold causes more casualties. Frostbite is rampant among the troops. The Germans send an emissary to Bastogne with an ultimatum. Since the Americans are surrounded, and there is only one possibility to save them from death, an honorable surrender. General McAuliffe's reply is short and to the point. McAuliffe's bravado is based on the expectation of the Third Army. General Patton's timetable is a critical factor. If the Germans move on Bastogne, they could easily take it at this point. The surrounded and undermanned U.S. Army watches and waits anxiously for reinforcements. The freezing cold conditions don't make it easier for either side. The next day, December 23rd, dawns bright and sunny. Perfect flying weather. Americans in Bastogne cheer as Allied planes fly overhead to bomb and strafe the enemy. To drop supplies. Not all that needed, but enough to enable the Americans to hang on. On Christmas Day, news reaches Bastogne that the western spearhead of the German 2nd Panzer Division has been stopped, just short of the news. When Hitler is told by his generals, he orders the expected all-out attack. The Wehrmacht advances on Bastogne with nine divisions, four of them armored. A great part of this effort is aimed at closing the American corridor to the south. On January 3rd, the Allies launch a three-pronged counterattack. By January 16th, patrols from the 1st and 3rd Armies meet north of Bastogne. By early February, the Germans have been pushed back to where they started. By the end of the battle, the fall stages And from that time on, the remains of the Panzer Lair Division set the eastern front where it was eventually destroyed. Sixteen leading independent political and military figures in Poland arrived for what they had been told was to be a lunch with senior Soviet officials. Мы встретимся, чтобы вместе пообедать. Это неподалеку, в девяти километрах отсюда. Там уютнее, чем здесь, в этой примитивной обстановке. In fact, they were all transported over 700 miles to here, the Lubyanka prison in Moscow. Polish leaders had made a big mistake. They trusted the Soviet authorities. Each of them was imprisoned and interrogated. And then they waited to see the final fate Stalin had in store for them. Roosevelt was more relaxed about the whole dispute with Stalin. 
just before Yorker, he'd even remarked that apart from matters concerning Germany, he wanted to stay out of disputes in Europe as far as possible. He wrote to Churchill in early April that, I would minimize the general Soviet problem as much as possible, because these problems, in one form or another, seem to arise every day, and most of them straighten out. Roosevelt was still keen to get on with Stalin, partly because the Soviet leader had offered to help with what was happening here, in the Far East, in the war against Japan. Americans made up the bulk of the Allied forces who were engaged in the Pacific in what was known as island hopping, the struggle to wrest each island from the Japanese. It was a brutal and bloody war. Just eight days after the Yorta Agreement, the Americans had launched one of their fiercest assaults here, on the island of Iwo Jima, 750 miles south of Tokyo. Just after 9 o'clock in the morning on the 19th of February, 1945, the first wave of U.S. Marines landed on the island. The battle for this piece of volcanic rock less than eight miles square would be horrific for both sides. Of the 21,000 Japanese defenders, 20,000 would die in the struggle. The total American casualties on Iwo Jima, including wounded, were over 25,000, more than the Allies suffered on Jima. So Roosevelt was intensely grateful that Stalin had promised the Soviet Union would help the Western Allies and enter the war against Japan whilst Germany was defeated. Geelong the beach was only a small part of the cost of 26 days As for the 16 independent Poles tricked into meeting the Soviet authorities by an offer of lunch, they were all put on trial. Of the 16, 13 were sentenced to various terms in Soviet prison. Reversing years of American strategic policy would be a massive air assault on Berlin. Over six months, the head of Bomber Command sent his planes on 19 mass attacks on the Nazi capital. As many as 800 bombers on a single mission. Nearly 11,000 bombing sorties. This attack on Berlin would have significance far beyond casualty numbers. With this raid, the 8th Air Force crosses the moral threshold. 
And of course, if they'd learned the truth that they were going back to Yugoslavia where they didn't expect to survive, none of them would have consented to mount the railway trucks. I remember asking um, for advice from the division. Are we to send the civilians as well? And the answer came back, yes. There were women and, and, and children, old men and sometimes babies who were in these convoys which we organized. But did you hear the machine gun? Yes. On the Yugoslav side of the border. Oh, for sake. You think I like to talk about fucking kids being shot down? I'm 
afraid you'll find them coming sick and sorry. Rather than thought you delivered their verdict. called me to the children's barracks he was heading then and uh, he asked me if I could paint something on the wall for the children and I said well if you can get the materials he said I'll get the materials okay and then a very handsome young blonde man from the men's camp came over one day and Freddie Hirsch called me to come and meet him and he asked me what I need so I said well if I can get any wall paints or any tempera paints, I would like those. If you can get me some, and you said yes, anything you want. And so I made a painting of Dopey standing on another dwarf's head with a cloak around him, so he looked like a tall guy, so he would be as tall as Snow White. I now understand that there was another painter who continued something painting on the walls after I had left. What did it do not only for for Jean but for the for the children? On on an emotional level. Well, it did several things, not just emotional, but the children then wrote a play which was a satire of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The play was very successful because the little girl who was uh, playing Snow White had an incredible voice. A gorgeous soprano, just like the one that you hear in the movie. <clears throat> Wouldn't there be piles of human hair? What about the piles of shoes and clothing? Is that a proof? It's a fact that the prisoners were issued a uniform upon arrival, including shoes. So why wouldn't there be piles of inmates' shoes and clothing? It doesn't prove anybody was killed. What about the canisters of gas? No one denies that Cyclone B was used to disinfect clothes and also buildings. Cyclone B was one of the premier pest control agents in Europe at that time. It was present in most of the concentration camps, including those that are not said to have had homicidal gas chambers in them. The typhus epidemic that spread throughout Europe during the war and also spread through the camps called for stringent life control procedures. So what other proofs are offered? Well, there's the usual pictures of sick inmates, which proves the groundbreaking thesis that people got sick in the camp. Once again, I'll add that nobody denies the typhus epidemic, which resulted in many deaths. Then there's the artwork and the pictures of children. But at this point, it's looking pretty bad for somebody looking for objective proof of the gas chamber. And some of the proofs they present actually work against the concept.
For example, they have one of several aerial photographs taken at Auschwitz by the Allies during the war. They don't mention, however, that when blown up, these photos don't show people being gassed or bodies being burned, even though they were taken during the time killings were said to be going on almost nonstop. Once inside, we can see why revisionists have had such a field day with this building. Obvious marks on the walls and floors, where apparently walls had been knocked down, equally obvious holes in the floor where bathroom facilities had been. We maintain that, unlike the large hollow chamber we now see, this room had once been five rooms, including a bathroom. Yet the building does have what appears to be evidence of criminal usage, four holes in the ceiling, which lead to the roof, where four little chimneys stand. It is said that through these four holes, Cyclone B crystals were dropped. And indeed, there seems to be no other explanation for them. Do these holes prove homicidal gassings? Revisionists have claimed in the past that these holes were added after the camp's liberation, and that the inside walls were knocked down and the bathroom facilities removed to make the room look like a big gas chamber. Let's start again talking about this building here. Um, this, but this is the reconstruction. It is in original state. Original state. It is in original. Original. Original is produced from the Are those the original holes? No. They've been rebuilt? Yes. Okay. Uh, after the war? After the war, yes. After the war. How nice. Unbelievable. Here. Go back up here. Let me back up here on this right here. This is important right here. You know, because one person says there were original holes in the roof, and another person says they were built after. So, and this guy's a Jewish guy doing this interview, by the way. So, and they threatened to kill him too. They shut him up. Oh man, we get back to that part right there. You know, ridiculous, ridiculous, just ridiculous lies. What the hell can you believe? What the hell is the truth? For God's sake. All the people were starved to death when they came to liberate the camps. Yeah, because they bombed for nine months straight and no supplies to get through. The camps were abandoned. They had nowhere to go. Imagine you being, you you know, you were held in these institutions, and they did arrest these people. Yeah, but they weren't killing them. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, this is, it's conflicting reports. These are actual survivors. I mean, most of them are dead now, but this was, because this was made about, uh, when was this made? About 20, 15, 15 years ago? Hang on here. Let me see if I can get this up here. I can't get get to that damn part. Where the hell that guy gets starts the interviewing? Ah. Well, the, and we know the Russians committed so much, so many damn crimes against the Germans. I mean, so it really equals out. So, but anyway, I'm not saying that they were right. The Nazis, I mean, obviously, but if you look at videos and movies from that time period, they, it paints a different picture than what the narrative is. I mean, so 
And remember, the winner always the winner always dictates what what uh, the story of history. I mean, it was a medieval time. I mean, these people were. I mean, I think we should have fought the Russians. So even Patton said that. I say I can't get that back to that damn part. For some reason, this damn thing ain't working right. Anyway, so well, I gotta get ready to wrap it up anyway, because I think we're gonna be getting ready to cut off get cut off here soon. But hang on here. That's you know, well, that goes into the technology that they developed. But uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll play that tomorrow night. The last uh, forty-five minutes of this tomorrow night. So, but those of you that were listening, that stayed in there were a few of you. I appreciate it. I mean, uh, the greatest story never told. Hey, can't beat that, man. So uh, the truth, the truth, you got it, you know, the truth, you, you always have to look for the truth. Everybody, God bless the Republic, take care.